0: This is my Bible, Bible. I believe it's God's Word, I believe every word is true, true. and it it is all that I need. All right, John 14, it is a favorite, it's definitely a favorite for many, but I think so often, because we hear it so many times at funerals. And because Jesus is trying to get them to see that there is a future, but I think there's more to John 14 than just that. I think that first verse, at least at least for me personally, I have heard him whisper this in my ear when I'm tempted to get worked up, when I'm tempted to get troubled, when i'm when i'm just tempted to just well you can just sense that you're not at peace you're going to see that the first part of John 14 and then toward the end of John 14 i mean i guess i can say right off the bat we have a choice we can either be troubled or we can live in peace and i guess it's our call we all experience life, it's ups and downs, and it can either cause us to be troubled and we can be worked up and we can we can stumble all over the place in our worry and our fear and or we can not let our hearts be troubled because well his solution is so simple. Now it's not easy, but the the solution is simple. So, um, we ended last week. I tried to I tried to explain to you that you know a couple you know chapters before the end of chapter twelve is when Jesus ended his public ministry. But then in thirteen and now fourteen, and next week you're going to see it's all red letters if you have a red and black um, word Bible because I think whether it's the disciples they they're walking or whether it's just this intimacy from the time of the Last Supper and, and all that you are hearing Jesus really pour his heart out and you you will hear him in, in prayer and so these last few chapters before Gethsemane, this is this real communication this is personal intimate. Almost gut wrenching, sometime. But yet he knows he's got to teach his disciples, who will be soon apostles. He knows that that in these last couple days, he knows that he's really, he's really gotta um, get in there and really get them to see because right now they are panicked. They are distraught. They are a basket case. They're beside themselves. Uh, Any words that sound familiar? (laughs) I mean, you know, so we can all identify. I mean, this life has hit them with, but I don't want this. I don't want you to leave. You can just hear them, but I don't want. You know, when you're living with a two-year-old, all I hear is, I can do it myself, and, but I don't want to. But I don't want to. And I'm thinking, as I'm studying John 14, I think, you know what, well, you're just like a two year old sometimes. Because I am saying to the Lord, but I don't want to. Or, I can do it myself. Because surrender is hard, or surrender could mean that it's not gonna be the way I want it, so I'm scared to let it go because I want my little mitts on it. I want to be able to control this. And he's saying, No, that's not the way it works. And so, you know, I think here he's trying to get his disciples to, in the last little bit, to grow up and realize that, you know, like with the washing of the feet and they're arguing about who's the greatest, he's saying, Oh brother. I got. I got to teach them that service to me means doing whatever it takes, because it's not about you; it's about me, and whatever is necessary to get the gospel and the story to the ears of people. And now this week, he's looking at their mood, and they're just, like I said, beside themselves. They're they're all worked up because he's said to them that he's leaving. And even though he said to them over and over that he's leaving, every time he said he was leaving, he said, but three days later. I'm, I'm going to die, but three days later, I will rise. But it's just, I mean, again, this is so human nature. We hear what we want to hear. And sometimes we get so caught up in our, you know, all of a sudden all they heard was, I'm going to die. And then all of a sudden you turn it all off. You know, sometimes with our, with our life, sometimes all we see is where, 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 where we're at right now. We don't see any hope and we get stuck. We just get stuck and we don't see that, that he's got a plan and that it's going to work out. It's, he's got this thing going for our benefit. You know, we don't want to see that. I think this is so, the disciples right now, even though he said it, they're just stuck. And we get stuck in our trouble. I don't want this. I don't like this. And so he comes right out and says, don't get so troubled. And the reason why you're troubled is because you don't trust me. You know, and that's, that's embarrassing. Because, you know, all of us, we think we trust. And I think John is really a great thermostat in making sure, you know, that let's just see how you act. Because your actions will prove how much you really trust him, how much you're really telling him what you want him to do and how you want it to work out your way. Let's see if you're doing that more than you're saying, Lord, your perfect will be done. I'm available to you, Lord. May you show your glory through me. May you show yourself through me in whatever way you want, because I know people are watching. You know this is what John is trying to say, and Jesus looks them. Don't get yourself so troubled. Though the King James says, "Believe in God, believe in me." Other versions say, "Trust God, trust me." And then he says, in my father's house, in my father's house are many rooms. King James, in my father's house are many mansions. Do you know that when we are with him, when we dwell with him, do you know that mansion isn't even a good enough word to what our home is going to be like? our home. You know what Jesus is trying to say? It isn't about the material things. It isn't about mansion the way we think of mansions. He's trying to say, it is, you're going to be with me forever and ever. So he's trying to build them to the point of look what you have to look forward to. Just hold on. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I think right then and there, Jesus said, Have I lied to you yet? I have told you the truth. How many times did I say I tell you the truth? Because that's another avenue of love. Like I pray tonight, he'll take us the way we are, but he is not content to let us stay there so he will make sure we know the truth, his commands, what he expects, what Christianity really entails. And you'll hear him say it again tonight, if you really love me, you'll obey me. I said this book of John is like one big mirror that, that he is putting in front of your face and my face because we are so good in this West Michigan to be able to have all the words down, all the verses said and quoted. He says, you know what, but you get yourself so troubled. Just trust me and know that you do have a future. And he says, and look how confident he is. Look how sure he is. Because he says, if it were not so, I would have told you I'm going. I mean, it's just a sure statement. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go, and this is an if, I might not. He's saying, and if I go, I want you to know that by going, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to come back and get you. So this, this particular if is not, well, maybe I won't. No, he's just saying, and if I go, I want you to see that, and I am going, I just told you that I am. So I am going, and I'm so sure that I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I I am, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. What words, what words for you and I? And I think that's why he ends this talk, this chapter, with this should be bringing you peace. This should be replacing your trouble, your troubled heart, your anxiety, your anxious feeling. And it should just settle you down. You know. You know the way to the place where I am going, And that's all he says. You know. Now, basically what he's saying is you are supposed to know. You're supposed to know backwards and forwards. After three years of hearing me, you should be absolutely, for sure, confident knowing where I'm going. You know. And you know, I think Thomas, being the logical and even somewhat doubter. But you know what? I looked at this and thought, you know what? This is honesty. This is confusion. And if we ever have questions, and we've talked about it for many weeks now, if we have a question, if we don't understand, what does he want us to do? Ask him. Go back to the book. Go back and study, because every word is true and it is all we need it has got the solution it's got got the way for us to handle so he wants us to know but yet Thomas is saying I don't quite get it I don't quite understand I don't quite know and so Jesus says okay I'll put it this way I am I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Now, do you know that that pretty much, pretty much if, if, you, if you catch yourself kind of wandering and floundering and you're not settled, if you don't feel settled in your life, if you catch yourself floundering, if you're not sure you're not living your life with that blessed assurance that Fanny wrote about. That's why Jesus says, okay, I am your way. That should cut all the floundering. I am the way. If you are not sure, I am the way. So if you have questions, I am your way. So and then if you, if you catch yourself confused and I don't understand. I'm confused and I don't understand. That's why I love the way he answered Thomas. When Thomas said, you know, I don't quite get it. I don't quite know. And you should have said that I'm supposed to know without any doubt at all. And so then Jesus says, okay, if you're confused, If you don't understand, then I am your truth. I am the truth. So again, go to this book. Because I am so ready and willing to show you the truth. I'm ready to show you the way, and I'm ready to show you the truth. And then sometimes I think we get ourselves so worked up that we just, we feel empty, we feel kind of dead inside. Um, if you And I think there's a lot of D words of the devil that get us to that point. If we just get to the fit of despair, if we get so defeated and we get so discouraged, all those D words kind of makes us feel dead inside. He said, then I am your life. I am in fact we should a uh, song is that we could sing this every week, and I think we we about do it about every other time is because he lives, we have a, we have a God that lives. And because he lives, and and you're gonna hear Jesus say, Because I live, you will live. Because I live, you live. So, okay, look at that again. Thomas's honesty, is confusion. Jesus says, "Okay, you feel like you're foul, floundering. You feel like you really aren't sure. You feel like you're just kind of, um, you're not settled." He says, "I am the way, me." And then he says, um, "And if you're confused and you don't understand, and well, guess what? I'm your truth." And then if, you're, if life has just caused you to feel so empty and inside and those D words have just taken you so down, remember, I am your life. So those three words, he's saying to Thomas, that should take care of it, boy. That should take care of it. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Well, remember I said Philip and Thomas were the two logical. Remember, Philip was the one that Jesus said at the feeding of the 5,000. Let's see, we've got these little bit of fish and this little bit of bread. Um, Let's see, how should we do this? Uh, Do you want to go to town and get some? And Philip is You know, he can't, this is not logical, it's not. And that's why Jesus went to Philip of all the disciples on that. He knew how to teach each individual disciple what they needed to to be taught. And so now Philip, because he battles this logic again, he says, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Isn't that just so typical of human nature? Lord, just show me, then I'll believe. Now, if you read Hebrews 11, 1, you'll know that the definition of faith is being confident, being sure of what? Well, you can't see. Because you're confident and sure of him. Now, we can't actually see him but because of his word and because of God's spirit, we are, we are sure of him and his promises. And so when Philip is just absolutely being typical human nature, when he says, just show me. Because I think for us, we we've all we've all said in our thought, maybe not said it out loud, but we thought to ourselves, "Lord, um, this looks like an awfully big thing. If you could just, if I could just pick up the corner and see how it's going to turn out, then I'll live by faith." You know, we kind of want, "How is this going to turn out?" then I'll walk by faith. But that's not faith. Faith is just plain trusting. It's going to go back to what Jesus said. You're either going to be troubled or you're going to trust me. And you're only going to trust me if you know me. And you're only going to know me if you put in the time and you put in the effort. And most of all, you put in the desire. So now... He answers Philip when when Philip just says, "Um, just show me, and I won't ask again. You can almost hear him say, just show me, then, then that'll be enough. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time? He didn't let Philip get away with this. He's saying, you know, your lack of faith, Philip, means that you really don't know me well enough. And really, Philip, you don't know me after this day-to-day contact for three years, and you've heard me, you've watched me. How can you say, show us the Father Because anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me. That's what i said. saying. Remember, believe is a big, important word when it comes to Jesus. And he knows whether we are believing just with our head or whether we really believe, like he asked Martha to really believe this, because if you believe it from your heart, it does make a difference in how you handle this. Believe me when I say I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. We'll stop there for a second because this is why I think I asked you in the questions. I wanted you to just sit and ponder, you know, this whole Trinity idea. Because we're going to see Jesus working into the explanation of the Holy Spirit in a minute. But in these verses, he is making sure that the disciples understand that under one Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all equal, it's all part of one God. And so when you ponder it and you think about it, all right, if someone would ask me to explain the Trinity, I think we have so often thought, you know what? You can't explain the trinity. And so we just kind of back away from it. But you can. You can explain. If you have a a story, if you've got a personal testimony about walking to the cross of Christ and being saved because you've been washed in his blood and lavished with his grace, if you've got a story, a personal story, then you can explain the trinity to somebody. And I know that it's cleverly tried to be explained through an apple, an egg. There's nothing wrong with that, but there's nothing better to explain something that is hard to understand for somebody than when you explain it the way you see it, the way you've experienced the trinity. And how have you experienced? Why? Why did God have to divide into three parts? And really, I shouldn't even say divide, because the Holy Spirit's the Father, the Father's the Holy Spirit, yeah, Jesus is the Father, the Father's Jesus. I mean, but yet they're distinct persons when it comes to you and I. The reason the Godhead is so perfectly explained here is because the father is the one who unconditionally loved the lost, lost, you and I, he loved us unconditionally, and instead of throwing in the towel and saying, you know, they deserve what they get, He said, I want to buy them back. I want to to rekindle a broken relationship. I I want to fill in the divide, however you want to say it. The Father is the one that started the unconditional love. And then Jesus, the equal Godhead, was willing to then come to earth as a human being. And that's why you're going to hear Jesus say that the Father is greater than I in this week's lesson. Not because they aren't equal. It's because Jesus, in his incarnate state, in the human state, he was willing to be flesh so that blood could be shed. Because, see, the Father's terms to buy his back was only one way, one gate. One blood sacrifice, and the only perfect blood that he would accept would be from his son, from Jesus coming in the form of a human. So we know from Philippians two, Jesus, knowing he was equal Godhead, did not let that stand in the way. He will. He was willing to humble himself into being a human, and then even death on a cross. So aren't you grateful for the Father tonight? Because he unconditionally loved you and I, even when we didn't even realize it, and we didn't even, we didn't even understand it. Yeah. The father was willing to put in a plan. And that's why his terms. We should never question his terms. And so when people say, oh, there should be other ways to heaven, no, he set the terms. And he has every right to. So Jesus was willing to become human. His blood was shed. But remember last week in one verse, how many times we read the Son of Man would be glorified. I think Jesus is so excited to get back to the place where where he knows he's back where he should be. But yet he was willing to do this for you and me. So aren't you grateful tonight for Jesus, for his willingness to be our Savior, to be willing to be human so that the flesh and then the blood could be sacrificed so that the blood would be the sufficient that the Father would say, yes, once for all, it worked. So thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. And then he's going to explain the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to see that, but then, thank you, Holy Spirit. When was the last time you really said that? I think Keith Green really understood this, John 14, when he wrote that song because he wanted you and I to make sure that we see that every specific person of the Godhead because now we know Jesus has gone back and is glorified and is back in his proper place. And, but until he truly explained, these disciples are saying, I can't do it. I can't do it without you, Jesus. And Jesus said, you're right, you can't. So I will come back. God will come back now in the form of the Holy Spirit to be able to live in you. And you're going to see Jesus say, not only walk with you, but be in you. What a gift. What a gift. So that's how you explain for your own personal salvation, for your own personal abundant living, you have every person doing his job perfectly. And yet they're equal Godhead. So when Jesus says in verse 12 I tell you the truth anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing he will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. I got a little stumped with that too because I thought he's talking to the disciples he's talking to you and me and he's saying that we are going to be doing greater things than him. Are we trying to say that we're greater than he is? Are we saying that the work that we do is greater than the work he did? I think not. So what in the world does he mean when he says he will do even greater things than these? Because I'm going to the Father. He's saying my spirit will now work inside of you. And he's not talking that greater as far as um, being greater. He's talking about greater opportunity, greater numbers. You and I have greater opportunity in this world. You know, Jesus when he, with his ministry for three years, it was pretty much restricted to a certain area. And we know from the Great Commission he said, first Jerusalem and Judea Samaria and then to the outermost parts of the world he commissioned his disciples in the first part of Acts and then he commissions all of us to go ye into all the world that's what he means when he says I have opened this up not to just this restricted area here but I'm opening this up to all of you I will be I now have now you have the opportunity to have me in you Crystal, you've got Jesus in you in the form of the Spirit. Surely you've got the Spirit working in you. Jack, you've got the Spirit working in you. And he, he puts us all in different parts of the world. In different homes, in different parts of the world, different opportunities. And that's why he says, man, add that all together, that's greater. Because now we've experienced this to the world and you are privileged to be a part of it see he's trying to get these guys excited he's trying to replace their trouble with I've got a job to do do you think you could possibly be saying the same thing to you and me Because, what good do we do when we sit in our trouble and we stay stuck? Or are we willing to trust Him and utilize His very, that third person of the Godhead, to do in us what we can't do for ourselves? To have these opportunities, to be able to go where. He, as Jesus, couldn't go because he was in just this specific area. And then he says, and so I want you excited. I want you to know that this is a great opportunity for you. This is going to be exciting and I want you to know not only have I told you how I'm, I want you to go with the command of love one another as I have loved you I have been a mentor I've been your teacher I'm your Lord I've taught you everything that you need now you just go and love the way I love you don't be afraid of the truth and then he says this and I also want you to go knowing that I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask for anything in my name and I will do it. Do you think that this verse has ever been taken out of context? Do you think that anybody has ever put a period where there is no period there are so many people that are saying the Bible says you will do whatever I ask well that's not it's kind of like it's kind of like love one another oh love one another no that's not all love one another as I loved you and I taught you now same thing here now, this is what I want. I want you to know. I want you to be excited because I want you to know, be confident that whatever you ask in my name, it will be done. So you have to understand what he's saying here. Now, when you and I pray, I think, at least growing up, I remember that whenever whenever I heard and in Jesus name I know oh good it's almost done. It's kind of like it was it was the finishing of the prayer. It's the tag that you are that you put at the end. But it's so much more than that. When you pray because again we have I think a lot of us have been trained wrong when it comes to what is prayer anyway. Prayer isn't just coming to them and then start telling them what well, we want and getting so many numbers. And, and then prayer is getting people connected to God. And then you dare ask. But then, like Jesus modeled in Gethsemane, and James says, don't ever pray without saying this. When you and I pray in Jesus' name, we are basically saying, I I relinquish my will to yours. I surrender my will to yours. Because I trust you, because I know you, and I know your plan, and your will is better than mine. And I am here for you, not for me. It's not about me anymore, because you're the shepherd, I'm the sheep. You owe me. So I trust you. Because my shepherd will not ever lead the sheep in the wrong direction. So even though I might not like it, it's not by choice, it's not the road I want. He's saying, do you trust me? So see, all this comes together. He's saying, I want you to know, fellas. And to you and I tonight. He said, I want you to know, be confident that when you're connected to me, when you trust me, when you know me, and if you dare say and pray and ask, but then be willing to have open hands and say, not my will, but yours be done. So just know when you say, in Jesus' name I pray, you are surrendering to his will. And then be confident that he wants nothing less for you than for his will. That's why he writes this, ask anything in my name and you will get it because I can't wait to give you my will. I can't wait to show you. I can't wait for you to be in the center of my will. Because that's where content and satisfied and fulfillment really lays. So you ask me anything, but if you dare do it saying, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus, I relinquish my will to you. Because you are God, and I am not. And I am yours, and you are mine. And that is, now he's gonna show you what the Holy Spirit is here to do. Because I know sometimes we look at the first verses, the first 14 verses, and you think, man, I don't know if I can do that. I don't really know. I think I'm still confused. If I were really honest, I don't know if I really can surrender. I don't really, I might stop praying in Jesus' name. Well, now he says. Now he explains how you and I can do it. He starts the verse 15 with that two-letter word, and now we're back to the definition of up to you. If you love me. Now we know from John 3, 16, that he loved us all. He loves all the world. But then we also know that he's made it very clear that now what are you going to do? Are you what whoever, whoever believes or whoever doesn't? And again, I repeat, he started that choice since Genesis 2. Hmm. So, this is nothing new, but he makes it very clear, if, if by chance you choose to love me, and, and I want to make sure, again, we know that this is not just that conditional, superficial, warm, fuzzy kind of love. If you love me, and I asked you a question about that, what does really loving him entail? It means that you know him. It means you trust him because you have learned his character. And he said, if you really love me and you really believe these words, then you will Obey what I command. And again, he's not afraid to use the word command, is he? And when we see the word command, I hope you, you stop in your tracks and realize that this isn't just if you feel like it. Your Lord, your Savior, your God is commanding you and that should make you sit up and take notice. And he says that if you really love me and know me, this isn't even going to be hard. You will. You will just obey me. And then this is, Then he gives us a little glimpse. He says, and I want, I want you to know, he's saying to these fellows, and I want you to know that this is what's going to enable you to do what you think you can't do. Because we know that's what they're thinking right now. This is sometimes what you and I think. I can't do this. He says, I'll show you. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another counselor to be with you. Don't you love that word? What word is that? forever. I will give you a counselor. The Father will see to it that you are supplied. See, I'm going to be leaving. And I can understand that you think, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? But then, and then again, one of the questions I had, what are the different names that he gives the Holy Spirit? I think Holy Spirit is good because we know that holy is God and God alone. And spirit is that, okay, it can live within us. It can live within you. It can live in with me. And we, I don't know, many of you grew up with Casper, the friendly ghost. And so often, at least in my denomination, we talked about the Holy Ghost more than we did the Holy Spirit. Scared the heebie-jeebies out of me. But now when I look at the Holy Spirit, it so makes me understand that in a spirit form he can live in each and every one of us. So, but then he gives us other names. Now, why does Jesus have other names? I mean, Jesus that he has other names like the Christ, the Messiah. We know he's called the, the I am. I am the Gate. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the way, the truth, the life. Why do you think Jesus has other names? Because it helps us understand what he's come to do and who he is to us, it helps us understand his character. And if you really delve into scripture, that, that, would, be, that would be something to do like in the summer. Find in scripture or go through a commentary and, and find all the names of Jesus. And just get that rich understanding that these names help you to see and, and understand who he is to you. But the Holy Spirit has other names too. And it's for the same reason. And what is the first name he calls him? Counselor. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor. Counselor. Did you notice that it's a capital C? What does a counselor do? When we we go to a counselor, what are we expecting? Advice? Direction? understanding nothing wrong with going to a counselor however I don't care who they are how good they are if they're a human being they cannot have a capital C and we see that the counselor has a capital C here Because Jesus is trying to get these fellas and you and I to see that we have the best advice giver. And how come we don't go to him? How come we always feel we got to rush to someone with a body? When we have a counselor... Again, I'm not minimizing counselors because I know they've helped, but I'm saying you and I have the capital C counselor, the best advice giver, who, if we go to him and ask him to help us understand what? His word. You and I should never, ever start going, should ever open our Bibles without asking the counselor to help us understand. Because that's his job. And he's going to say that to us here. But I just want you to see that Jesus is saying, I'm giving you the Father, I, whoever you want. Because you, you're going to have the third person of the Godhead who is willing to be, well, let's see, not only to give you the best advice and understanding, But he's also, here's another name, he's the spirit of truth. So in other words, you can know, again, I know there's, especially, you know, if your counselor is a Christian, Oh, and I pray you don't go to a counselor counselor who isn't. But even, even a counselor with a little C, who is a Christian counselor, He's still a man. and he's not, or she, is not the spirit of truth. I mean, they can say a lot of truth, but there's still that there's still that question about, you know, is this the truth or not? But here when you go to God's word in the spirit, they all, all advice giver will help you understand truth. And then he goes on to explain, he says, you know, the world cannot accept him. The the spirit of truth, believe me, the spirit of truth and the black and white understanding of this book, believe me, is not popular in this world of lies. Because we know that Jesus calls the prince of this world the father of lies. And that's what everybody in their human nature is sucked up into believing. Because it appeals to our human nature. And he is saying here that the spirit of truth, that's why you don't go to him right away. It's because it's so easy to want to see someone with an actual face and skin and all that. It's just part of the human nature because we don't quite trust. We just really don't believe enough. Because he's saying, I'm giving you everything you need. Fellas, I'm sending you out with a new command. I'm sending you out there knowing that you can ask anything in my name and it'll be done and I'm sending you out there and I am going to be with you inside of every one of you in the form of the Holy Spirit and he's your best counselor he is the spirit of truth and so if you don't go to him and if you don't utilize him it is your own fault because you are totally underestimating that gift that Paul said in Ephesians 3 well, actually, out through Ephesians, Ephesians 1.13, he even calls it a gift. The Holy Spirit, you don't even realize the gift it is. Because either you don't quite believe or you don't trust enough. He is your counselor. He's the spirit of truth. And believe me, it's not popular. Because it's so much easier to fall into the world of lies because it sucks you in because you're so human but you know he says the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him and Jesus looks at his 11 guys there and he says but you know him and he's looking at you and me tonight and he's saying you know him You don't have an excuse. You know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. I hope you've underlined that. I hope you realize that you've got the Godhead who is not only with you always. Because remember what Jesus said when we get to the end. When he says, I'll be with you. I will be with you always. So not only is he with us but he is in us. What a gift. I will not leave you as orphans. When he says I will not leave you as orphans I think we get the right picture. I think I think we, we get an understanding of what an orphan is. I mean, when we think of an orphan, we think of about a, a poor child without parents. Parents are dead. Well, Jesus says, I'm not leaving you here as an orphan because I'm alive. Your God is alive. And another thing about an orphan is that so often when you see a picture of an orphan, it breaks your heart because there they stand all by themselves. And he said, I'm not gonna leave you like an orphan just standing there by yourself because I just told you that I'm not only with you, but in you. And another thing about an orphan is that so often they they have no provider. They've lost their provider. And he said, I'm not leaving you like an orphan because I will supply all your needs. And then another picture that we think of an orphan is that now who's going to teach? Who's going to teach me? When you look at an orphan, you think, now how, you know, there they stand. Now who's going to instruct them? How are they going to learn? He said, well, guess what? I'm here. I'm with you. I'm in you. And you've got the book. And now you can keep on learning. And you can keep on knowing me better. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me. But you will see me. Don't you love that? Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. (laughs) What a promise. I mean, not only is he saying, I'm going to arise and you will see me again, but he's saying to you and I, do you realize Do you realize what you have to look forward to? And I know we're going to go through this in detail later, but I just want to read these verses from Revelation 21. Now the dwelling of God is with men. He will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. And Jesus says to John, write this down. I'm making everything new. And John, you make sure that you write this just the way I'm saying it. Write this down because these words are trustworthy and true. Then he goes on in the chapter and he describes the holy city and, and then listen to this. The great street of the city is of pure gold. The twelve gates made out of one pearl. The foundations laid out with jewels. But then he closes this chapter by saying nothing impure will enter into it nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful. In other words, you might have been from West Michigan and you might have had that religion and you might have sat in church and you might have had everybody buffaloed. But you, what you were, you were a sham. And he's saying, you know what? No one's going to get there if they're shameful and they're deceitful. But only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So when he says, because I live, you also will live on the day you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me, back in verse 20, whoever has my commands... And obeys them. He is the one who loves me. I hope you've underlined that verse again. I hope you've circled whoever, because this is John's message, because this was Jesus' message. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who really loves me not playing games, not good works without the faith, without the real faith. Jesus says, whoever obeys my commands and lives their life for me and takes this seriously, they're the ones who really love me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love him and show myself to him. I think he's just simply said, now I want you to know that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were all the same. And whoever you need for the moment, you've got the one God who's willing to do whatever is necessary for you. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus pretty much says, it's not that I'm picking favorites. It's that I have said this over and over again, that there are my terms. And only those who come to me by my terms I show myself to them because they want to see me. They want me. They want what I've come to do for them. If anybody loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Boy, that's another great underlined verse. The we, did you notice? That's why God Jesus, Holy Spirit, Father, I don't care who you, whatever. Your God lives and makes his home with you and empowers you and I to do what we can't do for ourselves. And if we fail, it is our own fault. Because self got in the way and we moved to the road of stumbling instead of light. These, He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Do you see all three persons right there? They will... teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. So what's he basically saying? He's saying to these 11, he's saying to you and me, don't stop learning because there's so much more to learn. And the Holy Spirit's job is to help you find more truth. You know, when I studied John 14, I can't tell you how. I went back to 13, and then I went back to 12, and then I went back to 11, and then I went back to 10, and I found out that the Spirit just kept building and building. And just kept, every, every chapter, I learned something new. And now, when I start studying tomorrow afternoon, I start studying John 15, there'll be something new. Because the Holy Spirit has promised that he will show me, keep me growing, and keep me moving forward and keep me learning more. Because there's so much more to learn. But there's another thing He want you and I to know. Because we've learned so much already. He's saying, like I said to you before, the Holy Spirit's job will remind you of everything I have said to you. So Everything that we've learned, I know I go and think, oh, now I wish I could just retain all this. I wish I could just remember all this. Well, the Holy Spirit is in you to help you recall what you need when you need it. And I didn't make it up, it's right there. Jesus says, calm down, don't get so troubled. Because living with you and in you is the counselor, the spirit of truth that the Father sent in my name to keep teaching you new things and to keep reminding you what you already have learned. And then, you know what? You, you know what you should be like instead of troubles? Because of all everything that I've done for you and have given you That you don't have an excuse to say. He said, you should be living in peace. You should be living in frantic trouble. Just because you don't know how this is going to turn out. Trust me. I do. I know how it's going to turn out. Because i got a reason for why I'm doing what I'm doing. So calm down. Shame on you for being such a basket case. When you've got a living God living inside of you. Peace I live with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Okay, I made you think about that and the questions. What kind of peace what's different about the world's peace because everybody wants peace everybody wants world peace do you know what earthly peace really is is when everything is going our way the kind of peace that he's talking about that he will give because how how much reality is that living in a world where everything is going our way, when everybody has a different way, it just spills chaos. So the chances of peace being here, not a chance. Not unless you know the Prince Peace. And the peace that he gives is the peace if when you let go and let him do his job. When you dare say, I pray this in Jesus' name. I dare let you be God in my life because you trust me. Peace, I live with you. That's the kind of peace. It's the kind of peace that Paul's talking about in Philippians 4 when he says, Would you stop worrying? Instead, pray to me. Paul says, I want you praying to him. Pray about everything. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. And then Paul goes on and says, and that's when the peace of God that transcends all man's understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Why does our heart and mind need to be guarded? Oh, because we're suckers to ourself. Peace, the kind of peace he wants to give is when you have loosened up your hands and you dare trust him. See, I told you, he's starting with, don't be so troubled. You can live in peace instead. You heard me say I'm going away. And I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father. See there, you see that word again. If you really knew me, you'd be glad because I only do the right thing and what's good for you. For the Father is greater than I. See, that's the phrase that sometimes I think we get hung up with. They're equal, but Jesus is in my incarnate state. I know my limits, and I can't wait to get back there. I have told you now, before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe me. I will not speak with you much longer, for the prince of the world Is coming now the prince of this world is going to come now in the form of Judas Iscariot the prince of this world is going to come in the form of religious religious leaders of Romans with Roman officials and it's going to look like the prince of this world is going to win But don't, I I hope you've underlined this. I tried to use every color crayon that I could so that this stands out. When I open my Bible to this page, I see this. He has no hold on me. You and I should be dancing on the chairs right now. Because it looks like the prince of this world is winning. But Jesus is saying to you and I tonight, let the Holy Spirit remind you what you know. And you know that greater is you, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Say that for greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. No that that Holy Spirit, that Counselor, that Spirit of Truth, that Helper, capital H, is in you, and he is far greater than the Prince of this world. So again, you have no excuse. He has no hold on me, but the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. now let us leave he's saying we've got we've to move on and next week uh, he's, he's saying uh, not next week but for us next week he's saying the red letters continue because I've got some great teaching for you but what he's saying to you and I is I'm sending you out with great opportunity with great truth you've got everything you need you follow the terms, you and I are going to get along just fine, Jesus says. And I'm telling you, we do have everything we need. Heavenly Father, thank you again for this simple but direct truth. Father, you are so wanting us to get this. And I mean not just in our head, but that it just takes over our heart. That we do realize it and we live like it, that we have got you walking with us and in us. And that power that you have, you have given us. The authority that you have, you've given us. Father, may that just strengthen us. And Father, may we want to go into this world and be a light to tell our story to live out Jesus and it's whose name we pray it's the name we surrender to because we know that whether you Father whether you Jesus or whether you Holy Spirit you are nothing but the best for us but the best is knowing you